Alright, so probably the, one of the first things we need to talk about at the barracks is dying to self. Like this is, you know, we, you know, we're gonna talk about this. This, this is so important. Okay, first of all, um, there's four stages. There's four stages of recovery. I actually haven't talked to you about this yet, so this will be good. Um, four stages of, of, of recovery. First of all, you have to die. Second, you have to be buried. Third, you have to resurrect. And then fourth, you have to reproduce. Okay? Or you have to have fruit. Jesus talks about, he says, um, my disciples will produce much fruit. And they'll prove to be my disciples. So, Jesus says that you have to produce much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So, that's like the end result. Like, to actually be a disciple of Jesus, you have to produce fruit. If you're not producing fruit, then you're not a disciple of Jesus. Like, this is how you recognize it. That's what Jesus said. So, there's this uh, process of change. And until you're actually producing fruit, which means that you're multiplying, your character's changing, um, but through your character, you actually start to multiply yourself. Like, that's fruit. Like, fruit's more than just... Like, fruit is your children. It's, it's, it's how other people are literally being changed through your lifestyle and through your witness. So, you're not actually fully recovered until you're doing that. So, until you're there, you got work to do. And so, a lot of people, they'll come to the house or the barracks, and they'll begin this process... And, and after about a week or two, they're like, man, I'm feeling pretty good. And then they're like, I think I'm going to leave. And, you know, it's really a deception for the devil. A lot of people live, leave way prematurely because they think they're doing good. They get clean and now they're feeling great. Like, all right, I'm doing great. And then they leave. And the next thing you know, they're doing drugs again. Or, or worse. See, the thing is, the devil don't care whether you're doing drugs he don't care what you're doing. All he cares is that you're not serving God 100%. He doesn't, all, all, all the devil cares about is that you're not giving God 100% of your heart, 100% of, of, of yourself, and actually going 100% for the gospel completely sold out. The devil just wants you to back off any level of degree off of being sold out. That's all he cares about. So if you have all the money in the world, but you're not serving God, the devil's happy. If you're on drugs... Um, and you're not serving God, then the devil's happy. And so, that's all he cares about. Like, and and the, the, the drugs aren't the problem. The heart is the problem. The problem is the heart issue. And so, I had somebody got one time, they were going to come to the house, they're like, man, uh, I just want to get free from uh, alcohol, and, and that's all. And the, the problem is this guy was struggling with homosexuality, and he's like, I don't really talk about that. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. The problem isn't alcohol. The problem is your heart. And whenever you meet Jesus, everything changes. Like, your whole life changes. If actually Jesus comes into your heart and the Word of God, which is God's seed, comes inside of you, then you actually begin to change. Like, you become a whole new tree. The Scripture says that a bad tree bears bad fruit and a good tree bears good fruit. Okay? So... It has to do with your fruit, and it has to do with the, the tree and its identity. Okay, so before Jesus, you're a whole different identity. Your old, your old person is there, but when you come to Christ, you're a new creation. James talks about, it says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Okay, 
And so it talks about receiving the implanted word. So the word of God, which is Jesus, John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the word, the word was God, and by him all things were created, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we're talking about Jesus here. The word of God is Jesus. When you see, when you receive Jesus, you receive the word of God. The word of God in Matthew chapter 13 talks about how your how the word fell on rocky um, ground and on the wayside and all these things that happen with the word and, 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 and unless it falls into good soil. But it says if it falls into good soil, then it bears fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. So the purpose of the seed of God is to produce fruit. So if we don't get to this point where we're producing fruit, then we miss the whole point of receiving the seed. So many people want to get saved and go to heaven when they die, but they don't want to produce any fruit. The question is, are these people even saved? You know, the scripture says, um, faith without works is dead. And it says, if I say that I have faith but have no works, can such faith save me? So there's actually a faith that cannot save you. And that faith is faith that doesn't produce fruit. So there's a lot of people that think they're saved and they're going to heaven when they die, but they're not because they produce no fruit. It's, a, it's actually a false conversion. And I know that sounds really harsh, but that's the truth, you know? Amen. Uh, you, <laughs> it's hard. Ah, well, you know, I, I got saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. Man, you don't know the first thing about salvation. The scripture says those who endure to the end will be saved. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. I'm saying that you can't keep on living in sin. I'm saying that you can't keep on doing it because, you know, there's something wrong. Like, the seed of God is inside you. You're a new creation. Like, your passions change. And you don't want to keep sinning. It's not saying that you're going to be perfect. Because we're all going to have problems. And, but the thing is, whenever whenever the seed of God comes inside of you, it starts to take root. And it starts to change your life. But here's what happens. There's this, there's this death process. There's this burial process. There's this resurrection process. And then there's this fruit process. And so... There's this four process. Okay, so another way I like to describe it is plow, plant, and produce, and then pick. So there's this plowing process. So this is what happens. People come to the house, and we plow. And what this plowing is, it's the death. It's whenever you get rid of everything that was there. You pull all the weeds up. You take this thing and you start plowing the ground and you tear up the ground. And it, it's a death process, okay? And so here's what happens. You get rid of all this junk. And then everybody's been there for three weeks, a month, maybe at the house, at the recovery house. And they're like, man, I feel pretty good. I got rid of all this junk in my life. Okay, the problem is, though, you still have this empty field. And if you don't put good stuff in there, then the bad stuff just comes right back. You know? Yeah. And that's what Jesus talks about, you know, you cast out a demon, but if you don't fill out the house, fill the house back up, then the demon comes back and sees the house that's empty still and brings back seven friends and he's worse off than he ever was before. And that's exactly what happens to people who die to themselves, they start to receive some of the word of God, and then they fall away, and then they end up worse than they ever were. And then they also feel condemnation, and then they feel worse about that, and then they don't know how to come back to Jesus. Sometimes people, these people never come back, you know? That's where I'm at. Huh? That's where I'm at. Yeah. All right, so check this out. you got to plow the field. Okay, so now what you have to do, after you plow the field, this is your death process, then you have to bury. Now, here's the thing. This There's two parts of this burying process. First of all, you got to bury your old man. Like, the old person is buried and forgotten. But then, there's also this part where you bury the seed into the ground. Okay? This is the burial of Jesus Christ. And so you 
bury Jesus into your heart, man. You bury the old man, he dies. And that's what it talks about, how Jesus took sin and he buried it and he left it in the grave. So literally with Jesus, when you die, Jesus says this, he who seeks to lose his life will gain it, okay? He who seeks to lose his life will gain it. He says, if you want to be a disciple, be my disciple, you must pick up your cross and follow me. So there's this losing of yourself, man, this self-denial. And, and also, there's this bearing process, like you bury yourself, like we talked about this a minute ago, um, how it's so important to become vulnerable. Whenever you plow the field, you become very vulnerable. In fact, everything that was there, even things that you thought were good, and they were producing fruit in your life, you have to get rid of them all. That's why the cost of discipleship talks about that. You must hate everything. It, that's renouncing everything. Well, you literally have to start over with a brand new slate. You have to get rid of everything. It's this true death process. It's, it's, it's heart-wrenching. It's, it hurts. But it's this part where you become vulnerable. You lay it all out. You start to confess all your sins. You know, And, and this is the problem with, with Adam in the garden was that he didn't want to make himself vulnerable. He didn't, want to, he didn't want to expose himself to God. That's why he ran and hid. He goes and runs and hide. God comes in and says, Adam, where are you? He's like, I ran and hid because I was naked. And God's like, well... And so he didn't even confess his sin. <laughs> he, he didn't know the problem. Like, that's what we do. Oh, I have a drug problem. That's not the problem. That's not the problem at all. That's just a symptom. That's like looking at a sickness and saying, man, I got a real problem. I got, stuff. I got puffy eyes and runny nose. That's not the problem. The problem is you got a virus. I got the flu. And I just so happen to have all these symptoms. So drugs, they're not the problem. They're symptoms of the problem. The problem is the heart issue. The problem is all the offense that you have, all the hurt you have, all the um, unforgiveness you have, all everything, all your issues, all your real issues. 45, 45, 45. And so, anyway, same thing. You know, whenever Adam, whenever, whenever God was looking for Adam, he's like, hey, Adam, where are you? Oh, I ran and hid because I was naked. That's a symptom. That's not the problem. The problem wasn't that he was naked. The problem was that he sinned. And that's when God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? So God already knew. First of all, God already knew where Adam was. It's not like he was trying to find Adam. He knew where he was. He's Adam, where are you? Adam, he wasn't asking that question because because God didn't know where he was. He was asking that question because he wanted Adam to know, hey, where are you? Adam, do you know? Adam, do you know? where you are. Because see, the first thing, to the first um, step to healing, the first step to restoration in your life is admitting where you are. If you can't confess, I'm a screw up, I messed up, hey, I've got a problem, that, it takes humility to say that. Well, here's what happened. God is coming to look for Adam. Adam, where are you? I ran in here because I was naked. He's, he's dodging the issue. The reason why he's hiding is because he's ashamed. And and he's ashamed of his nakedness. He's, he feels exposed. I ran. Hey, I've been exposed. That's a problem. No, that's not the problem. <laughs> the problem is you don't want to be exposed. That's that's the problem. Like being exposed is good. That's being exposed is death. Um, see, everybody thinks death's the problem, but death's actually what sets you free from sin. You know, death. So when if if Adam allowed himself to be exposed, he could have got set free, but he didn't. He's like, I ran in here because I was naked. Well, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? And then what did he do? That woman. Like, immediately, he runs and hides again. <laughs> like, he's hiding behind the bush. And when God finds him behind the bush, he's like, hey, it, so it, here's a problem. Adam still 
wouldn't make himself vulnerable. He wouldn't confess his sin. He, he, he couldn't hide behind the bush, and now he's trying to hide behind the woman. And that's what people do all the time, man. They try to run and hide, and then whenever they get caught, they try to blame everybody else for why they are the way they are. That's hard. Oh, well, my dad, he used to beat me when I was a kid. Or well, I was molested when I was a child. Or my wife, she just degrades me all the time. Well, you know, my children, they all left me. Or I never had any friends I got picked on all my life. Or I've just always, see, whatever excuse you have, first of all, it's not a good excuse. The number one problem is not anybody else in your life except yourself. That's right. If you start blaming everybody else, you get more in trouble. That's right. You can't blame everybody else. You can't hide behind everybody else. You have to come clean. Get out there and start confessing your sin. And But that's the problem. People don't want to admit that they're the problem. You know, here's the thing. Everybody wants to run. I, I love this. I've heard this so many times. I think Pastor Lane even says it. Um, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. There you are. You know? <laughs> you know, everybody... <laughs> I remember... And I learned this when I was real young. I remember going away, running. I was in Italy when I was, when I was a kid. My dad was in the Navy. So we used to live in Italy. And I had a guy named Stephen Cooper. He was my bully. And I remember leaving uh, Italy, going to Mississippi. And there was a guy named Justin there. And he starts picking on me. And I go tell my dad. And I said, Dad, it's not fair. We left Italy. My, it, Stephen Cooper, he used to chase me on my bike. And he would be so mean to me all the time. He was such a bully. And now I'm here in Mississippi. And this is Justin. He's picking on me. My dad said, look, Zach, it doesn't matter where you go. You're always going to have a bully. And it wasn't until I started learning how to love my enemies and, and turning my enemies into my friends that I actually really learned how to, to deal with my issues. But my point is this. It doesn't matter where you go. There's always going to be a problem. And if you don't learn how to face your problem, instead of running all the time from your problems, when we run, man, we just, it's a coward. That's, the Bible says that all cowards have their part in the lake of fire. We're going to have to start facing our problems. So anyway, so we're talking about plowing, planting, and producing, and picking. So part of the dying process is admitting where you are and confessing your faults, confessing your sin. That's the dying process. That's when you're exposing yourself, and that's what nobody wants to do. And there's not one person who's come through the house at the barracks that has been successful that hasn't confessed. Every single person that's been successful really starts to open up. But if you don't start opening up, if you don't make yourself vulnerable, you won't be successful. And the reason why is that's part of the dying process. But, but and even and then, and then there's even this false sense of, um, like I, my dad used to come through, we'd have to pick all the weeds, man. And the truth is we get out there and start picking the weeds and we'd find all the weeds that we could see um, and we thought that was good enough. Well, you know, this is good. But the thing is, my dad would come in and he'd, he'd come and find more weeds that we didn't see. The truth is we didn't want to see them because we didn't want to pick them, you know. But my dad would come out there and find even more, you know. But if we truly want to get rid of the weeds in our life, we have to submit ourselves to the Father because our Father is going to see more stuff than we ever saw. The truth is we don't want to deal with our problems. We don't want to go pick the weeds. It's hard work, man, and it's painful. Nobody likes picking weeds. So if we would submit ourselves to the Father, though, he would. and if we actually truly cared about getting rid of the weeds in our life, here's the thing. If we don't get rid of all the weeds, then the weeds come back. You know? You have to get rid of all the weeds. And 
It's a continual process. You always have to continually guard your garden. You have to continually go out there every week and pull the weeds or the weeds just come back. And that's part of the process of a dying. See, this is a part of the deal. Like whenever you start living for Jesus, it's always a dying process. This never stops. It's not like it's going to be done in one week. It's not like you're going to be done pulling all the weeds in one month. The rest of your Christian life, you will constantly be humbling yourself, dying to yourself, picking up your cross, following Jesus, and submitting yourself to the microphone, to the magnifying glass so that God can find out all these little issues in your life and you're saying, oh, there's something else. Well, there's another issue. And, if, and that's the true thing. And that's how you get grace in your life. That's how you overcome. See, God gives grace to the humble. And so if we don't humble ourselves to God daily, and part of being humble is repenting. Repenting is a change of mind. It's every single day when I seek God, I actually start humbling myself to the Lord and He starts showing me things every day. And this is whenever I humble myself to the Lord and say, yes, sir, and repent daily. Like a true Christian walk is repenting daily, every single day, finding out something else. Man, I need to fix that in my life. Oh, that needs to be. Thank you, Jesus. This is the pruning process. So the Bible talks about how God prunes those who abide in the vine. And so we allow God to prune us every single day. And that's part of the plowing process and part of the, the, the weeding process. Okay, so after you've got the weeding process done, which never ends, by the way, okay? There's always a plowing. You're always going to be plowing. The reason why you're always going to be plowing is because you always want to be able to plant new seed and get rid of old stuff. Okay, so then there comes the, um, the planting or the burial. Okay, so at this point now, you take your whole old life, everything that was there, and you bury it. You never look at it again. It's gone. It's done. It's a done deal. It's, it's in the past. It's buried in the ground. You're not bringing, You're not going to revive that sucker. You, it, you, you killed it. You buried it. Don't revive it. Okay? The only thing that should be revived is the seed. You take the Word of God and you plant it into your heart. And the Bible says, I have planted your... I says, I have hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden. That's what part of burial is. And you bury the seed of God. You hide it. Okay? So you literally hide the word of God in your heart so that you might not sin against God. It's so cool. Like, then the word of God in Matthew 13 is described as the seed. So you take God's seed. Now, check this out. It's so awesome. Jesus is the seed of God. It talks about in the scriptures how Abraham, through, it says, I will bless you through the seed of Abraham. Jesus was the seed of Abraham. The Word of God is the seed of God. And whenever you receive Jesus, you receive the Word of God. And the Word of God comes into your heart and it changes you. It says in James, receive with meekness. <laughs> well, meekness is the dying process. Receive with meekness. First of all, you have to die. Then you can receive the Word. So you you, you're meek, which is the dying process. You make yourself vulnerable. Then you plant the Word of God into your heart, which is able to save your soul. And the word soul has to do with your mind. So your mind really gets transformed. The Scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so then, when the Word of God comes into your heart and you've hidden it, and you've buried it, this is the planting process, then you water it. And you leave it there. You don't pull it up. See, that's the thing about doubt, man. We start putting the Word of God into us, and then you doubt. And here's, there's a saying. It's a really good saying. I like it. I'm going to say it. Don't dig up and doubt what you planted in faith. And so what you do is you plant the Word, and you get impatient. Why isn't this working yet? You're just being impatient. See, whenever you put a seed into the ground, you have to, you have to now wait for it to produce fruit. And the first part before it produces fruit is it grows a root system. This root system is what makes you unshakable. But what happens is, people, they, uh, you know, talk to Matthew 13, it says that they don't have any root. And then whenever the trials come, 
they fall away. So the reason why we fall away a lot of times is simply because we don't have any roots. We have to let the Word of God take root and take root and take root. All right, so this takes time. This is the part where people don't, they don't like this. Everybody, so there's a problem, especially with drug addictions, is everything is a quick fix. So whenever you start doing the Word of God, nobody likes it because it takes too long. <laughs> but that's, that's what the, 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 the scripture says, but you have need of endurance. See, what do you think the Word, okay, listen, the Word of God is a promise. Why do you, why do we call it a promise? Like whenever you, when you talk to a person, check this out. If I come to a person, first of all, that's why Jesus says, you know, don't have, don't make oaths before men, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. See, the thing is, God never says, hey, I promise you. He doesn't say that. Never, God never says, I promise. But we always call it promises. And this is so weird, okay? See, we make it a promise. We recognize it as a promise, but God never recognizes it as a promise. God just recognizes it as the truth. He says it, it's the truth, period. If God says it, it is a promise. But, but why do we call it a promise? We call it a promise because if I come up to somebody and say, hey, are you going to do this? Okay, well, you promise? Why am I doing that? Because I'm questioning whether or not they're going to follow through. If I make you promise, that means I question, I already have doubt in you. Like the very fact that I'm making you promise is a profession of my unbelief that you're going to follow through. You promise? You swear to me, right? So you're making this covenant, you're shaking on it because you don't believe they're going to follow through. So you're making them... Uh, somehow ante up what they're saying. When the truth is, if they say it, it should just be true anyway. They're going to follow through. And that's the way God is. God never says, hey, I'm going to promise. God just says it. And if he says it, it's a promise. But why do we call it a promise? We call it a promise because there's for sure going to be a moment in our life where we're going to question. And we're going to have to hold on to what we call a promise. A promise infers that there will be doubt on the way. <laughs> The fact that I call it a promise infers that I'm going to go through some sort of trial that tries to shake what I've planted inside of me. Okay, so what the Word of God is, the Word of God is not made a promise until it's taken root. Because the root system is designed to give it stability. But if I put the Word of God and I don't let it take root, it never becomes a promise for me. It just becomes a good idea. It just becomes a suggestion. But it never becomes a promise in my life until it's taken root. Whenever the Word of God has taken root, I call it a promise now. I let it take root. I'm like, hey, this sucker is in me. I'm unshakable. God says he's going to heal him. So it's, it's going to, so I start talking about healing, for instance. Or God's going to deliver me from my addiction. And then when I start saying the Word of God, faith comes by hearing and 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 by hearing. The more times I hear the Word of God, the more time, it's, it's whenever I, when I hear the word of God for the first time, it gets planted. When I hear the God the second time, it gets watered. When I hear the word of God the third time, it gets fertilized. And it's just a constant cultivation. When you hear God's word, it's the cultivating of God's word in my life. So why do it's important to stay in the word of God? Because it causes it to take root in my life. But if I don't keep on, if I don't keep on hearing the word of God, it won't cultivate the seed that God has put inside me. So it's so, it's so, it's so, so important to hear the word of God, hear the word of God, hear the word of God. It's the cultivating of the seed. And also, when you hear it, you believe it, and then you speak it. It's so, so, so important to start speaking the word of God. When you start speaking the word of God, then what you just start doing is actually planting more of that seed into your life. And this creates more fruit. If you have one plant, you're only going to get one fruit. If you have many plants, you can have many fruits. So you're going to have to keep on planting the Word of God. So check this out. Whenever I speak God's Word, two things happen. First of all, I speak it, which is life. 
and I plant the word again, and then I hear it again. It's like when I repeat when I repeat the word of God again and again, for God saved me, God loves me. When I keep saying the same thing again, I'm actually building more faith in my heart because I'm saying it. it's a double whammy. It's pretty cool. That's why it's so important for a fest the word of God. I believe, therefore I speak. All right, so check this out. So we, we cultivate the seed. We let it take root in our life. And it's buried, and now it is, it's, it's firm. Now, at this point, now the resurrection part comes. So we've died, we've been buried, now we resurrect. So the seed begins to resurrect, and you'll notice it comes out of the ground now. So now it's taken root. It's starting to, to come out of the ground. Okay, so this is whenever maturity begins. This is whenever character is being built. Okay, so it says in the scripture that patience creates character. This is so good. So it takes time again. Now we're long-suffering. I'm actually, again, you continue to water it, continue to cultivate, and it begins to resurrect in your life. Okay, and people start to, this is whenever you see noticeable change. People start seeing notable, noticeable change in the way that you rep, your life is representing. Okay, it's the, the reflection of your life. When you start to talk different, you start to act different, you start to live like a righteous life. Now, you might not have any fruit where you're actually changing anybody else's life, but your life is changing. Okay, there's no fruit yet. It's just your life's changing. Now, there's still fruit in it. This is a sign of fruit, but it's not fruit itself, okay? So this is when character is built. This is whenever integrity is built. This is whenever you start taking initiative. When you start demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit that are found in, in Galatians. <laughs> this is whenever you start to come up out of the ground and everybody starts recognizing this amazing change in your life, okay? All right. So this is the resurrection process. Okay, but you're still not on. You're still not recovered at this point. Like this, the full recovery is a completely healthy plant, and it says in the Bible that a good tree bears good fruit. So it's not just about not sinning anymore. Like true righteousness is not just about not sinning. True righteousness is about producing fruit. So it, a lot of people though, they're all like, they're they're so focused on not sinning. Well, I just wish I could stop sinning. I wish I could just stop sinning. Listen. If you would plant the Word of God in your life, fertilize it, cultivate it, and start loving God with all of your heart and being sold completely out, you would start producing fruit and your focus would not be, I don't want to sin anymore. Your focus would be, I want to produce fruit. And the Bible says a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. So it's not even a matter of, oh, I don't want to sin anymore. Like Your focus isn't even on that anymore. When you actually start pursuing God and you actually start cultivating the Word of God in your life, you become so kingdom-minded that you're not really earthly-minded at all. The scripture says in Galatians chapter 5, I believe, that <clears throat> if our mind is set on the things of the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's just a matter of fact. It's a matter of nature. It's not a matter of um, willpower anymore. Like, literally, you've submitted to the Word of God in your life, and it's changing you from the inside out, and you can't help but produce fruit good fruit and not bad fruit because you're not a, you're not a bad tree anymore you've submitted to the seed that was in your life it's so good by the way you're not defined by the fruit you're defined by the seed all the dna everything all of its, its purpose all of its future all of its destiny is wrapped up in the seed what defines you as a righteous person is not your fruit what defines you as a righteous person is the seed and then you produce fruit. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. If you keep on cultivating that word and God in your life, love will rise up and love will move you. And the scripture says the entire law is, is hinged on love. So what happens is when you start pursuing God with all your heart, 
then and it takes root and it starts to come up and produce this different character in your life, then literally love takes over. And the scripture says in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, for the love of Christ compels us. It says, for he died, not so that I could live for myself, but so I could live for him who died and rose again for me, right? So literally, um, like your, 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 your whole mindset changes. The love of Christ compels you. At this point now, all you can think about is how much God's forgiven you. All you can think about is how much God has forgiven you and shown you mercy. And it says in the scripture, we, we love because we, he first loved us. Like this love from God, like the more we, the more we get it rooted in our life, then, then the more we are compelled by this love. And literally, my focus isn't anymore on blaming everybody else for my problems. My focus is no longer blaming God for my problems. My focus is now on the mercy of God and how much he loves me and how much he's forgiven me. And I'm completely driven by this fact. And now, I start to produce character. Why? Because I love God. I'm driven by my love for Him. I'm driven by His love for me. And then, the next thing you know, I can't help but start loving people. The scripture says, if you don't love people but you say you love God, the truth is not in you. How can you say that you love God who you cannot see, but you can't love men whom you can see? The scripture is, says that man was created in God's image. So if you try to say, I love God, but I don't love people. If you have a problem loving people, then you have a problem loving God. That's just the truth. That's good stuff, Michaela. That's really good. So, when we receive that inside our hearts, and we really start being compelled by God's love, we can't we can't sit still, man. We can't sit still. We can't sit back on our butts in the middle of church and just go and, and, and receive the word of God and not do something with it. Like, we're compelled to go out and preach the gospel and further the kingdom of God. The reason why is because we weren't created just to go to heaven when we die. We're created to make a difference. We're created to to um, transform the world for the kingdom of God. That's when we start producing fruit. Now, whenever you start producing fruit, this is the sign of maturity. You have no more n stuff in your life. Now, I'm not saying you're not ever going to have weeds, because like I said, this is a continual process. If you're going to be garden guarding your garden, you're going to constantly be removing weeds in your life, because you're still here in the world. And and, and, and the ground produces weeds, you know? And you're in this ground. You're in the ground. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to have to constantly be weeding that all the time. And not only that, you're going to constantly be pruning your tree. You know? You're letting God prune that tree. Get rid of the dead stuff It's on the tree itself. So you might get rid... And that's actually probably a better word. You get rid of all the weeds. The weeds are gone forever. That's the old life. But then in your new life, you have to prune. That's good stuff. And, and, and so check this out. <laughs> the first part is dying to old stuff, like literally sin, um, things in your life that were hindering you. Now your your tree is literally just, like when you prune it, it's like a fine tune. It's like, man, I could love better, you know? It's not, it's not even, a, that's where you're getting at now. It comes to point, man, I could love better. I could do better. I could give more. That's, that's the pruning of the tree. Like you're not dealing with sin anymore. You're dealing with righteousness and how to be even more righteous. It's, it's kind of cool, all right? Yeah. So now you're producing this fruit. Now, this is what happens with fruit. Your fruit falls off of your tree, falls into the ground, and makes another tree. That's the purpose of fruit. Fruit is good for eating. Everybody can taste your fruit. 
everybody, like, like you're now being a blessing. To, that's the point about fruit. The fruit isn't just about good character. The, the character is your stems and your branches and your leaves. But the fruit is what everybody else gets blessed by. If you're not producing fruit, fruit means that you're blessing other people. Like you are no longer taking from other people. You are actually giving to other people. Other people are benefiting from your life. That's what fruit is. Fruit is, and, and you're not a mature tree until other people are benefiting from your fruit and other people are, other trees are being planted from your fruit that falls onto the ground and plants into the ground. So, whenever we talk about um, recovery, it's not about stopping addictions. It's not th about stopping sin. Like, that's, that's so far behind recovery. That's like way, way at the beginning. Like, true, a true recovered person has nothing to do with symptoms of a sickness. It has everything to do with ridding yourself of a disease which has to do with a heart issue. And the heart issue is what's in your ground. See, the Bible talks about the good soil. And in Matthew chapter 13, it talks about the seed falling onto rocky soil and to good soil. Your soil has to do with your heart. And so, what are you? Are you good soil? You know? The, the issue is not, um, you know, the weeds. The issue is the soil. The issue is whether or not you're ready to receive the seed of God and cultivate it. Is this ground, is your heart prepped and ready to receive and submit to God's word in your life and let it actually take root and change things for you? And so, that's the road to recovery. So, when people say, well, I want to leave, then I go down this list with them. Okay, so have you plowed? Okay, have you planted and buried the old man or do you still deal with a bunch of condemnation? And if you're still dealing with a bunch of condemnation, you're not mature yet. You haven't even started growing a stem yet or a root system. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, are you still are you still blaming everybody else for your problems? Are you still hiding behind your pastor uh, for, for doing you wrong? Are you still hiding behind your wife for doing you wrong? Are you still hiding behind your dad for doing you wrong? If you're still there, guess what? You're still, you haven't even started taking root yet. You're not at the second stage of, of recovery. So the recovery has nothing to do with getting rid of drugs. The recovery has to do with the heart. The recovery has to do with whether the seed's taken root. The recovery has to do with it's, it's creating character and stems and branches and leaves. The, the recovery has to do... See, God. when you talk about recovery, you're talking about resurrection. If you haven't gotten to the resurrection stage of your four stages of, a, of being healthy in God, then you're not at recovery. Recovery has nothing to do with getting rid of the old stuff. Recovery, it, recovery has is the third step. It's at least the third step before you start producing fruit. You know, and so uh, a lot. Of, like you know, I'm saying all this because a lot of people try to leave way, way too early, and they haven't even gotten to the point where they're being, where they're even rooted yet. So then, when the wind comes, when they leave, they hit the trials. Boom! The wind comes, blows them right over. The root system wasn't 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 developed. You know. <laughs> so anyway, it's important. People who. Uh, so all those stages of recovery, you you, you got you to gotta get rid of the old stuff. Part of that is becoming vulnerable. You'll never, ever, ever um, really get healed until, until you start becoming vulnerable and, and opening like up. Just the other roots, people that left. That's right. Satan tried to trick them. That's right. And, then, and that's what it says in the Word. That the, the Word fell on the rocky soil or the wayside, and then the birds came and just picked it right up. And so people stay for a week or two or... 
or even a month, and then next thing you know, um, because they didn't understand it, they didn't let it take root, or even begin to, 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 to sink in, and boom, the devil comes and steals away um, their promise. And so, anyway, that's pretty much it, but Jesus is awesome. I forgot the last stage of recovery, which is picking. So, we've got the um, we talked about the plowing, the planning, the producing, or I should say um, the resurrection, and uh, producing fruit. Um, plow, plant, produce. So now you're actually starting to grow and you get your character, but the last part is picking. This is when your fruit, and I, I kind of talked about it already, but this is when you actually start producing fruit and um, multiplication, you know. Uh, so we talked about death, burial, resurrection, and then multiplication. So you have your plow, plant, produce, and pick. So now everybody else is starting to benefit from your fruit. And so that's pretty much it. That, that was, it's a fast one. But anyway, I just want to make sure I clarified that before we ended it. So anyway, God bless.